internships. We're encouraged to do them for our careers, but how much time should we sacrifice unpaid to them? After all, it's not easy to balance study and unpaid work. I joined fellow University of Melbourne graduate Maddie Thorburn to discuss her internships, the good and the iffy. From one intern to another, we caught up at an infamous Unimelb study haunt, the Bailey Library, where Maddie gave me a guided tour of an exhibition she has been involved in promoting. As we were walking, I just saw this other exhibit. It's kind of a hole in the wall and it looks like you're looking into an artist's studio. I'm not sure why there's a tomato sauce bottle there. That (laughs) freaks me out slightly. But um, there's all the paints there. There's the oil pastels and brushes. It seems very different to the rest of the collection here. I think with this space, what was intended is to make it really look like the artist's workshop. I think the artist was actually kind of closing up one of their studios, so they donated a whole heap of stuff so that we could kind of recreate what a studio would look like because it's really interesting to have something that's a little bit more 3D and a little bit more about how art is put together. So I'm in this space in the Bailey Library and I feel a little bit guilty because I'm here quite often but I've never actually been to this gallery. Now Maddie, can you tell me much about this place? Well this is the North Shore Gallery. They often put a lot of things that are part of the collection on display here. So it's a really great place to show off the uni's collections. Um, And there are a few things in the exhibition that's here at the moment that are also from other places but mostly from the uni's collection so it's pretty great. So as someone outside of the collection space, what I really want to know is why are they important and what work do you do with them? The collections, I think, are really important at the university because they can give you insights into subjects that people might not necessarily have today. So a lot of um, the works are a little bit older or are special in that they show you the thought process of somebody who was lecturing or studying at the university themselves and I guess it gives you that close contact with those people in the past. And what are some of your favourite parts of the collection? In the Rare Books collection there's a really early copy of um, Alice in Wonderland and it's something that I've always loved that story since I was a child and it's so wonderful to be able to actually go up to the reading room and um, order that and have a look at it in your hands and kind of leaf through the pages and see it in person. That's, yeah, it's kind of thrilling in a way. What is your story? What did you study before and how have you moved into this area? I've always loved history. I've gone to museums and galleries since I was a little kid and so I really wanted to work in that area. I studied history here at uni and I actually sort of fell into my degree a little bit after that so I did a Master of Arts and Cultural Management and I hadn't actually enrolled in that to start off with. I'd enrolled in a Master of International Relations because I'd done a politics degree and sort of thought that was a natural path to follow. And I got my offer for international relations and as soon as I got the offer, I just had this sinking feeling that it wasn't right. Um, And I went with my gut feeling and put that aside and went for the Master of Arts and Cultural Management. And I always remember my first lecture 
thinking this is right. I've made the right choice. And I think that was a really important moment for me in deciding what I was going to go ahead and do in the future. Was that moment when you had the acceptance letter for international relations a bit kind of scary? Was it a bit frightening to kind of think, oh, this is where I'm going, and then, oh, no, no, I don't want to be here anymore? It was absolutely terrifying. It was really, really scary. And I think part of that was I'd spent so many weeks leading up to putting in my application for that degree, kind of agonising over what I should be doing. And I remember having this sense when I put it in of just not really being completely happy even though you'd think that once you put in an application you'd be relieved and that's done I was still not sure about it. And did you have any friends giving you advice around this time or people who you could speak to about the arts and cultural management masters? Both of my parents work in science they sort of didn't really have that background in the arts world so it was really hard to uh, find people kind of connected Um, to the arts industry that could give me advice but I actually went to the university's career services so the lady at the careers advice services gave me the phone number of Kate McNeil who was running the Master of Arts and Cultural Management at the time and I gave her a phone call and sort of asked her a few questions and as I started to sort of find out more about that degree it really seemed like what I wanted to do and it was strange because I I don't think I realised that what I wanted to do existed as a job and I had this moment when I was talking to her of oh I can actually study this and do this as my career. And can you take me through that first day when you started this master's and you're like yes this is where I want to be this is great I'm surrounded by really interesting people. I always remember the first lesson I had was about Australian arts policy. I had a bit of background in the politics, so I was sort of feeling a bit comfortable with that, but really unsure about what it would be like going into that first arts and cultural management class. You know that bit before the lecture actually starts where you're sort of waiting for the lecturer to get all set up and everyone to come in and you start talking to all the people around you. Um, And so just talking to the people around me reassured me in itself because I started to realise that we had similar interests and um, that it would be something that I'd enjoy as well as, you know, be able to do hard work in. I want to know a little bit more about your actual work and how you got into working with collections. So I volunteered uh, for the Cultural Collisions uh, Festival at the university. I really love um, collections anyway, and I've done a lot of volunteering in the area. It's probably a sign I should have noticed that it would be an area I'd like to work in. And I got chatting to um, Jessica Black, who was working at the museum, and just talking about the collection in general and our kind of common interest in the history of the place. And she mentioned that she knew somebody, um, Chelsea, who was looking for uh, an intern to help with some marketing and audience engagement. And I'm really, really interested in audience engagement in particular because I love collections, but um, I really believe strongly that they need to be accessible to people and they shouldn't just be kind of squirreled away in dark corners to get dusty. Tell me, how was working with Chelsea during this internship? 
It was really, really good. It was a very positive experience, mostly I think because Chelsea respected my position as an intern. So I wasn't paid for the internship and she was very clear that although I wasn't paid, I would be getting experiences out of it that would be worthwhile, but to make sure that I felt like I was getting worthwhile experiences from it. So I've, I've done one other internship before this, and I think the key thing about internships, particularly when they're unpaid, is to make sure that the experience that you get is valuable to you. We're going to dig for some dirt here. Mm. Internships don't always go to plan. Tell me about your first one. My first internship was... Interesting in that it was part of a quite a small not-for-profit organisation, so they had limited resources. So if you were there, you were there to do a lot with not much. So um, I think that kind of created maybe a bit of a culture in the organisation of people working very, very hard and obviously being very passionate about things, but then maybe working a lot over time. And I know in particular I was there starting off at the same time as someone else was finishing off their internship. And with this other person in particular, they were really pushed to work outside of hours. It just created this feeling in in the place and as being the intern starting that there was a huge pressure on me to have to live up to this scale of work that everybody was pushing through and that I was a part of that as well that um, I was there almost as as another pair of hands to help in a really kind of frantic situation. It reduced the number of opportunities for me to really learn things sometimes, I think, as well. Um, So that was quite difficult. And it was hard too because I think everyone in the organisation had that mindset and it was only my first internship. I didn't realise at the time that I should be saying I'm not feeling comfortable with this. Um, It was just I was surrounded by that kind of environment. On the flip side of that, I got to do a whole heap of really amazing stuff that I might not have been um, able to do otherwise. I was kind of left to organise budgets and program things, and I was given some help along the way. I wasn't completely left on my own, but a lot of the time I was doing things by myself, and I definitely know looking back um, that there should be limits. You should be able to get a lot out of the experience as well as give something to the organisations. So just hearing about the positives in your second internship, do you find it difficult to balance studying with paid work and then knowing that if you're doing internships, you're taking a significant amount of time out unpaid? It's hard to work and also do an internship because as much as you might find the internship really interesting and useful, you're not being paid for it. So I think it's important to recognize and I didn't do this in my first internship to recognize that you can say no if you have things on that you have to go to I had a few sort of family issues going on at the same time so there was one time where I had to leave Melbourne for a bit and you should be able to feel comfortable to say you know I'm not being paid for this Now, as we're in this exhibition, I've just turned around and I've had that weird moment. It's a little bit like when you see a scene in a movie where you've seen the trailer already and you feel a bit uneasy because you've already seen it. I've seen this painting that we're looking at. It's a Miro, am I right? Um, I've seen it in all the promotional material for the Art on the Page exhibition. Can you tell me a little bit more about this one? Is, Is this the real deal? 
this one is not real. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm really, I love this exhibition, um, Art on the Page, because from a personal point of view, this is the kind of art that I like. I like things that are a little bit weird and kooky and modern, but this picture in particular um, is so fantastic and striking, and we use it on all of the campaign materials and things. We had a few issues with the um, foundation in uh, Spain trying to get permissions and things. There are all sorts of copyright issues. But even that's kind of interesting. I um, did a little bit of arts law as a subject, so it was really interesting to see that play out in the real world. This one looks like a frog's. It's kind of like a frog, but it also looks like it's been run over. It's kind of like a tyre print mm. or tyre tread of a frog. I actually almost only noticed that one today, really. Kind of, yeah. Is that another thing that happens when you're working in collections? Do you actually find yourself surprised? Because I had this thought that maybe you get sick to death of seeing the same things over and over, but are you sort of always turning around and seeing something new? Absolutely, definitely. I was always surprised to find something new every time I walked through on the way into the offices over there. You'd always see something that was a little bit different. It was great to hear how you've decided that you're really interested in the public engagement side of things because this is something you're very passionate about. But is it ever difficult or frustrating when you're like, but I love this, why, why can't other people love this too? A lot of objects in collections have connections that you might not expect. I think it's more about thinking of how objects can link to what other people are interested in. So I might be fascinated by this book here because of the history, um, because it's kind of in the art period that I really love. It's kind of about teasing out some of the links in an object story that are relevant to other people, not just my interest. And now we're going to go in for a little bit of rapid fire. I'd like to know, favourite lecturer? I'll have to say Brian Long because um, he's the first one that pops into my mind. He was that first lecturer I had when I started my master's. He was really good at setting out how things are done in the industry, but also um, I remember in a few subjects he was really good at getting guests. Favourite subject? Oh, <laughs> that's tough. However, I think I'd have to say um, I did a subject all about exhibition management that was really, really good, and I think I got the most out of that subject in terms of how you put an exhibition together. So not just putting things on the wall, but how you create even the little wall labels that you see and how you organise cases so that people don't bump into each other when they're walking around and how you make it so that it's interesting to people to look at. Least favourite subject, if you feel like you want to dob someone in, or maybe not, just least favourite subject don't really have a least favourite subject when I think back to it. I really enjoyed my degree. I was really unsure about um, starting off the budgeting and finance subject just because it was unlike anything I had ever done before. It was really, really useful. And what's been your favourite moment on campus? I actually recently helped out with Cultural Collisions Festival just chatting to other people who worked at the Granger Museum and meeting people involved in the festival, meeting other volunteers was really good as well. Have you got any other pieces around this exhibition that you can show me? Yes. 
like I said before, I haven't been in here and yet I'm always in the Bailey Library. Yeah. I'm feeling terrible now that I've missed out on seven years of different exhibitions. I really love these ones over here. They're by Angela Cavalieri. So um, they're these, everything here is part of a book mm. and... I'm just curious about which page they decide to turn um, Hmm. over to. If there's interesting Hmm. illustrations on every page, it must be an agonising choice deciding where do we flip to. Absolutely. I love these ones particularly because there is a lot in them about people coming over to Australia from different places and what that means, and it's expressed in art. And a topic that's really interesting, I think an important one as well in Australia today, looking at um, where your family is from um, and looking back to the past through art. Thanks to Chelsea Harris, Exhibitions Marketing and Events Coordinator and Internship Mentor. This podcast was presented by Claudia Hooper, produced by Buffy Gorilla, with audio engineering by Arch Cuthbertson. Editing by Buffy Gorilla, Arch Cuthbertson, and Claudia Hooper. Five Things About is created by Dr. Andy Horvath and is a production of the University of Melbourne, Australia. This episode was recorded on September 22, 2017. I'm Buffy Gorilla, and thanks for listening.